Well, good morning, Bob. Good to be here. And as Bob said, I am Joan Hogan, and I'm welcoming you to the Prairie Doc Radio Program. Dr. Rick Holm, our medical expert, is in the studio ready to answer your questions. Dr. Holm's specialty is internal medicine. He's worked with the Avira Medical Group Brookings and has served as a clinical professor at the University of South Dakota's Sanford School of Medicine. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Joan. Good to see you, and I'm so pleased to to have... Good to be seen, right? (laughs) We have... uh, Dr. Deb Johnston with us today, who has become a regular on Prairie Doc Radio. We're so happy to welcome you back, Dr. Johnston. Thank you. It's great to be here. And we also have, I was, Dr. Johnston had written and she said, is it okay if I bring a student with me? I said, sure. She gave me the name Christina Lammers and I said, boy, that sounds familiar. But it just has to be a different Christina Lammers. And in walks Christina Lammers, the woman I knew from SDSU. She has a medical degree from what country, Christina? Uruguay. 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 From Uruguay. And when she came to Brookings, she shadowed Mm -hmm. Dr. Holm for a while, and then she taught at the nursing college. She's been very active in my church, so I knew her from St. Thomas More. And now, what are you studying, Christina? Um, I'm studying at USD for a PA, physician assistant degree. Which is just phenomenal. Well, and and it, it was a challenge for her. Just a minute. I'm, oh, I have somebody to tell somebody didn't read the sign. You know, I didn't turn mine off either. So it, it was a challenge for Christina because she had graduated in Uruguay many years ago, and then spent uh, 18 years teaching here with her pu- master's in public health. So um, and practiced many years in, in Uru- Uruguay. Uruguay as a physician, uh, OBGYN, taught, uh, and then she comes. Follows her husband to to Brookings and loses her MD degree. Not so much loses the degree as it was far enough from graduation from medical school that the criteria for getting a license in the U.S. just were insurmountable. (laughs) So here's a way for her to get back to practice. Yes. Well, Christina, she never stops. But I thought, if I were Deb, I'd be a little nervous having Christina I, as a I, student. I, I, she yeah. might know more than me. <laughs> it, it, there are certainly areas, particularly areas that touch on the teaching that she did for so many years, where I am 100% convinced that that's true. But I still have things to teach her. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> that's great. A lot of things to teach. <laughs> many <laughs> things. Well, Christina is just a breath of fresh air to have her here with us. And we are so pleased. I am pleased to have two noted physicians to answer any questions that may come up and the only way those questions come up is if you give us a call we'd love to hear from you at 692-1430 if you're out of the area and listening on some other media other than radio just give us a call at 605-692-1430 we will be back after these words by living a healthy lifestyle you can lower your risk for heart disease and heart attack A healthy lifestyle includes the following, eating a healthy diet, maintaining a healthy weight, getting enough physical activity, not smoking or using other forms of tobacco, and limiting alcohol use. All the providers at the Avera Medical Group Brookings hope you will follow these guidelines. For more information on a healthy heart, speak with your provider at 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Deck Radio. Joan Hogan here, and I'm so pleased to have a full house. We have Dr. Rick Holm, 
who everyone expects to hear on this program, along with Dr. Deb Johnston, who has been a regular guest. And with Dr. Deb Johnston is Dr. Christina Lammers. I can call you a doctor. You well, she can, she will always be she a doctor. She will always be a doctor, and she will be knowledgeable about practicing. And so, I mean, there's going to be no problem. It, the doors are open and wide for her. She's going to do great. Well, we're just happy to have her here. And I thought, normally we start the show with what's been happening at the clinic, what are the new, they're not new, the illnesses going around certainly are <laughs> flu and cold, but tell us about it, Deb. It is It is definitely influenza, some stomach bugs and um, just regular old colds. Uh, not seeing quite as much influenza as we were before Christmas, um, but it looks like overall through the state they're still seeing a lot of influenza, and I'm I'm sure it's still out there. We are seeing predominantly influenza B this year, which is really unusual. I can't think of a previous time in, in my career, at least, where influenza B was as prevalent even as influenza A and the statistics I saw yesterday from from last week in South Dakota it's about two-thirds influenza B which is nice because influenza B tends to be a more mild illness not to say it's not still a, a potentially dangerous illness but uh, it doesn't tend to be as severe as influenza A. There is still time to get your flu shot and that is the single best thing you can do this season short of good hand washing and trying to avoid contact with sick people. The match isn't great this year, it seems, but there is still value in getting that oh, flu really? shot. I thought the match, I'd heard that the match was pretty good, but it, apparently it's not. So well, I, I've heard that it's <coughs> not a great match, but I could be wrong. I can't even remember where I read that. Unlike you, who always remembers exactly where he read everything. <laughs> and he does. he does. He does. amazing. <laughs> right. Say, so one thing I did read in the paper this morning, Brookings, and uh, not Brookings, the state of South Dakota has had three deaths this season related to influenza. So it is still pretty prevalent. I talked to one friend <clears throat> who, <clears throat> granddaughter, is just under a year old, was in the hospital for a while. And I don't know if it was a cold or probably influenza. I don't know. RSV often uh, comes around and hospitalizes kids this time of year. Okay. Um, influenza can certainly hospitalize people. The people that are at highest risk for influenza, be it A or B, um, infants, particularly those too young to get their flu shots, but generally any child under the age of five, uh, older individuals, people that are, we just have to have a definition somewhere, so it's 65 and older. That's old? Uh, well, that's... <laughs> I'm glad you added, we just have to have the... We have to, we have, to have a cutoff somewhere, right. John. We'll go with it, it. It doesn't seem very old to me anymore, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> it seemed quite old when I started, but now it seems pretty darn young. Um, and, and my lovely 96-year-old lady that I saw yesterday who is, is hosting book groups and... and um, she's very active she's very active yeah. and i think she would say 65 is pretty darn young too so just a kid right. um people with chronic illnesses particularly respiratory illnesses like copd or asthma uh, people with any condition that makes their immune system not work very well be that cancer uh, autoimmune diseases that are being treated with some of our immunomodulating therapies um, actually interestingly people that are obese 
will, are at higher risk for complications of influenza. So if you are in regular contact with anybody that fits in that group, even if you yourself feel like you don't need your flu shot, do get the flu shot to help protect them. Under the best of circumstances, the flu shot is probably our most disappointing immunization. It is the, the least effective, but even reducing your risk of catching this illness by 20 50%. or 50%, 50% in a good year, it's worth is it. worth it. Especially it's when you read it. that three people have already died in this state from influenza. If so influenza is potentially deadly. Yeah. It is so if you haven't, if you've been resisting, just this is the time. Get that flu Go shot. Go get that flu Absolutely. shot. Well, let's switch to another topic. Oh, but that's oh, my home. favorite topic. Like, what? <laughs> immunizations. I love oh, to talk stop. about no, immunizations. We'll go to that after, after the break. All right. All right. <laughs> Let Rick get two words in. Rick, are you ready for this? <laughs> well, f- I uh, know tomorrow night your t- program has one of my favorite people as your guest. Bonnie. And that's Bonnie Specker. I and just Teresa love the gal. Binkley. The she two is, of them. And Teresa Binkley. Oh, the two God. of them. I love them. Now, why are you having those two on your show? What's the topic? Well, to re- it basically, uh, I I can't exactly remember how it got started, but I think it got started mostly f- uh, uh, with a breakfast uh, uh, time with Teresa and Bonnie and me. Right, and we were talking about the potential things that we could do in my clinic, the geriatric group, and suddenly Bonnie, who is this creator. Uh, came up with the idea of doing an exercise uh, geriatric group, uh, one with this German exercise plan and the other with just walking every day. And we did a a three-month rigorous, uh, actually uh, after studying them immensely, you know, getting their weights and their exercise. When you're saying them, your program then consisted of people in the Brookings area that were over a certain age. What 70. 70. So 70 was old in this group, Deb. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, over so 70. So they went from 70 to mid-90s. All right. And so <coughs> this group, were there at least, uh, how many, 50, 60 people in it? 100. 100 people in this group. And yeah. so you studied them for over three months. Uh, and then we studied them for three months uh, without pushing them to exercise. And it was a... A fun deal because both of the groups also got nutritional education, and it was a it was the carrot to keep them coming because the you know okay come and exercise today with me, <sighs> but <laughs> oh and we're going to talk about oils oh that might be interesting so right. we talked I mean it was a fun uh, romp and I got to know a hundred. Uh, people who are 70 or older and and uh, that study is printed you know it's now in the journals and uh, <coughs> Teresa and I did the I think the the, the most uh, carrying of the load of that study you were doing the hands on right yeah, right yeah. and we were the you know in the front uh, uh, the, the front line you know when we you have a study like that is there usually um, and especially since it's printed, do you have a result or something that you want to share? What yeah. was the result of it? Or maybe the, you want to wait till tomorrow night? Well, the result is, uh, was that everybody got better. I mean, there was, you know, we measured people's strength. We measured how high they could jump. We measured how 
uh, strong their bones were. We measured their sarcomeres and their <laughs> muscle uh, depth, and they did all those really careful tests. And when the walkers versus the exercisers were compared, uh, the exercisers did a little bit better. Uh, and the long-term result was a little bit better. But Overall, everybody won. You know, everybody gained. So what changed in their life that, that they won, that they gained? The fact that they were exercising? Yeah. Everybody got into it. And if they say if you can get people exercising three months or longer, then you can, you, you've made an, a, a habit. Well, you made a big difference in 100 people's lives. Yeah, I thought Very so. Very nice. And uh, that's part of the science of it. Now, you know, Bonnie's been involved with uh, all sorts of different vitamin D and milk and, and exercise programs uh, for years and years. And she's also been involved more recently with uh, making sure that babies go to bed on their back, not on their belly. And... Uh, it's a, uh, that part of the interesting thing is that that epidemiology of, of uh, getting people, it, it used to be that we wanted people, the little babies, to fall asleep on their bellies. I mean, I was adamant about it. It was just, you know, and then they looked at the data and the kids that were dying, the sudden infant death syndrome. Were on their stomachs. Were on their yeah. stomachs. Jeez. It we took a while wrong. to learn that. Well, you know, that's yeah. how it is. We, yeah. were, we were wrong. We always have to be willing to examine what we think we know and change our position when, when we, we find out that we were wrong. We yeah. have to be willing to be wrong um, in order to find out what's true. That's, right. that's the scientific way. You know, you just... You open your mind to possibilities, and then you study them in a double-blind way, and then you you develop look and grow from that. That's great. Well, we are due to take another break, and I cut Dr. Johnston off because she wanted to talk about immunization. <laughs> so I guarantee you, <laughs> whether you want to hear about no, him or not, no, you're going to hear done. about him when no, we no. return. If you call in with questions, yeah. I will get off that topic. Oh, challenge issued. Okay. <laughs> Millions of people in the United States are not getting screened for colorectal cancer as recommended. They are missing the chance to prevent colorectal cancer or to find it early when treatment often leads to a cure. The vast majority of new cases of colorectal cancer, about 90%, occur in people who are 50 or older. The U.S. Preventative Services Task Force recommends screening beginning at age 50. If you think you may be at increased risk for colorectal cancer, learn your family history and ask your doctor if you should begin screening before age 50. Talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Happy to have you listening today. Joan Hogan here and with me in the studio are three renowned doctors, <laughs> Dr. Rick Holm, Dr. Deb Don Johnston and Dr. Christina Lammers. 
And having all three of them here, Dr. Johnson made sure that I promised we will talk about <laughs> immunizations. You've you got the floor, lady. If you don't want to hear about immunizations out there, folks, I know I beat this horse to death. You better call in with some questions yeah. for us. Well, and we want we want some questions. We I mean, want questions. Please give us. We, love we do want to know about immunizations. Call. What do you want to tell us? I get your shots. That's get the shots. fundamental. <laughs> that's the fundamental. Um, lesson well i didn't have anything. to cut you off if you're that you short didn't. that was yeah, that's that was all it. there is to it so Just whatever the shots, shots are if you're uh, from infant on up adult whatever shots are recommended for your age group get them get your shots get you're, done. you're not done getting shots just because you're through school there's shots that we still like to give to adults the flu shot that i love to talk about so much um the, the shingles the are shingle one. shot oh. the pneumonia shot remember the pneumonia shot doesn't protect you from all versions of pneumonia but from one of the ones that is the most deadly. Yeah. Um, so there are shots at every stage in your life. Don't hesitate to come in and, hey, are there any shots that I should be getting at this point in time? They're not perfect. They don't work 100% of the time. That's why it matters that as many people as possible get their shots so that we get we have, herd immunity. We get herd immunity. Right. Herd immunity is such an important concept. You know, so when you say it, on KBRK that people have heard it. Yes. Herd immunity. Herd <laughs> immunity. <laughs> oh, yeah. I wish it worked that way. Yes. <laughs> I wish everybody who heard the sound of my voice had herd immunity. Yeah. Um, but herd immunity is really important for protecting people like Dr. Holm here. Who, who ha whose immune system has been decimated. And <laughs> they blood attacked yeah. and so on. Yeah. But Christina had a point that we should probably bring. Yes, in. about babies. Oh yeah, um, there is another way that um, can, you can reduce the risk of sudden infant death, and that is the use of pacifiers. There have been a lot of uh, studies and good evidence that indicates that yeah, pacifiers will reduce the risk of sudden well, infant pacifiers death. Pacifiers reduce the risk of yep. sudden infant death. Sleeping with a pacifier. Oh my God! It's just the absolutely opposite thing that we were <laughs> we, yeah, I know. We thirty still, years ago again. We still recommend getting rid of that bedtime pacifier once the child is older and their teeth start coming in for the dental mm -hmm. issues. But that's usually about the time when the risk of SIDS has fallen anyway. So um, sleeping on the back is really important. Not sleeping with any soft things that can get caught up around the baby's face, that is really important. That bedtime pacifier is important. Breastfeeding reduces the risk. Another really important one is avoiding cigarette smoke exposure. That's huge. And it doesn't, well, I smoke under the under the vent of the stove or I smoke outside or I only smoke in the car. We just don't want that baby exposed to cigarette smoke at all. Okay. Right. Well, we asked for questions and we actually have two. We'll start Yay! with the first. Yes, thanks so much for calling in. This woman called in and said that her uncle has esophageal cancer. It was detected early. Usually that's a really tough cancer to even detect. It's a terrible I'm not cancer. sure how he was detected early, but the, in the fall, he went through chemo, radiation, then had surgery in late November. The most recent from the doctor is no cancer. They checked the lymph nodes. He's completely free of cancer. Now her question is, will this mean that he's free of cancer or is there a likelihood that esophageal cancer will return? Two, two comments. Okay. 
One is that if a person gets a s one cancer, you have a higher risk of a second cancer. So she didn't want to hear that, but no. that's the truth Nobody of it. Nobody does. That's okay. the truth of it. So if you are a cancer survivor, it would do you good to really get careful uh, monitoring at your clinic. You know, uh, I would also say that um, even under the careful watch, I'm the most careful, thorough, best doctor in the world watching somebody for a second cancer can miss it. I mean, these cancers can sneak up on you. And uh, so we have to realize that it's not a guarantee, but it's wise to be carefully monitored. I have if a question you, about you, the, oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. If you've had one cancer. Yeah, well, the person has had esophageal cancer, and suppose, well, that is clear. The doctors assured her it's clear. Would this mean that it would, re if cancer came back, would it be possibly in another part of the body? Uh, you know, yes. Okay, uh, that's it. It doesn't have to be in the esophagus. It's just you're more likely to get a return if you've had cancer once. Right, okay, so for two two ways. One is that you could have, um, oop, uh, there's a little bump in my armpit in the right. Biopsy shows esophageal cancer. Five years later or 10 years later. I mean, that's what pancreas cancer does. It, it comes and back. And breast. And breast. breast is oops, yeah. 10 years later, here's the ca cancer again. Somewhere else. Okay. Somewhere else. You can get a second kind of cancer as well, something that seems unrelated. But um, unfortunately, there's, there's no natural law that says you only have one cancer. Right. If, okay. you, if you get one type of cancer, you have a high risk of getting a Another. second apparently unrelated type of cancer. Because your immune system is... It has been is, compromised with cancer. Well, yeah. or you, you had a weakened <laughs> immune system in the first place. Oh. Or and then, and then it allowed that first cancer, but now it'll allow a second. For whatever reason, your immune system doesn't recognize that cancer as something it should clear, or it's not efficient at doing that. Um, I hope that the the odds are good. It sounds like an early stage cancer, good response to treatment. Uh, I think there's reason to be optimistic for this family. But you just need to know you're you're never out of the woods okay. when you've had a cancer. And right. what was the original question again? I had just would it possibly come? Would the, would this mean they're free of cancer forever? Well, yeah. you're not free of cancer no. forever. But overall, they should be pretty pleased that he survived yep. that and he's I, doing well. And I'd just take, cheer the current. I would take, take it clear. Take it. Take it. <laughs> I'd okay. take it clear. Clear. Um, all right. yeah. Well, we're going to take a break. We appreciate the calls. We've had a couple more come, and we'll get to those right after these words. The American Academy of Pediatrics has issued media guidelines for preschoolers that are helpful for parents and grandparents. Under the age of two, media should be very limited and only used when adults are standing by to co-view, talk, and teach. For example, video chatting with family along with their parents. For children 18 to 24 months, if you want to introduce digital media, choose high quality programming and use media together with your child. 
For children aged 2 to 5, limit screen time to no more than one hour per day. Find other activities for your children to do that are healthy for their bodies and mind. Choose media that is interactive, nonviolent, educational, and pro-social. If you have questions about social media for children, speak with your primary care provider at the Avera Medical Group, Brookings, 697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. Joan Hogan here with Dr. Rick Holm, Dr. Deb Johnston, and Christina Lammers, all here giving us wonderful medical advice, and we appreciate the calls. A woman called in with a question. Is there a way someone cannot be diabetic once diagnosed with type 2 diabetes? Absolutely. Oh, all right. Tell me about that. I thought, how can you not be if you were diagnosed? Your first treatment, and it's very successful, is, is weight loss. And exercise. And exercise. And it doesn't have to be a lot of weight loss. And it, and it, but 5%, 5 to 10 pounds for a lot of people can be very helpful. And the diabetes goes away. Now, you That's are wonderful. always prone to diabetes. So you can't just lose a little bit of weight, walk a little bit, and go back to your old lifestyle. And just like if you've had one cancer, you're at high risk for a second or a recurrence as time goes by you can develop diabetes again but you can definitely get to the point where even without medicine your numbers all look perfect okay so you pretty well answered the second part of her question is there anything one can do to avoid having the diabetes come back and you said new lifestyle new lifestyle. eat less exercise more i think i've heard that from rick home before have you yeah i really have uh but i have to say (laughs) Again, um, as Deb pointed out, it isn't always the weight loss that matters. It can be the exercise, just alone. Mm -hmm. Uh, The value of exercise is huge. But I want to be very careful not to give guilt trips to people who are diabetic. I have patients who are diabetic, who are very active, who are at normal body weight, and they still need a lot of medication to keep their sugars under control. Diet and exercise, although an extremely important part of the treatment, sometimes is not enough on its own. So don't feel like a failure if you have diabetes. You're not a failure. You're not a bad person. Okay, now, thank you for that. And our next caller had a question about, it's a 69-year-old woman who has had a cough for three weeks. She must be living next to me. I had a cough that went on forever. Uh, She went to the doctor, and she was diagnosed with upper respiratory illness. Now she will cough up fresh blood. Is that normal even after seeing a doctor? No. You better go back. Go back. Coughing up blood is, and it may just be the infection. That is very possible. But coughing up blood is one of those things that gets our attention. You do not want to do that. No, I mean, the point is... uh, Probably the biggest indicator <laughs> of a risk for c- cancer. Well, so. we don't want to scare the daylights out of her, no. but basically, <laughs> please and go see seen. your doctor. Most uh, of the time, it is not cancer. That's right. But it can be. That. And a chronic cough can be three weeks. With just a three-week history of cough, I wouldn't be very... Um, worried about that but that combination of coughing and coughing up blood needs the other suggestion i would make that these doctors don't have to worry about is as a patient you call in well i need to see the doctor they'll tell you two weeks no you have to tell them 
I am coughing up blood. I need to see the doctor today, tomorrow. Please yeah. make that clear to whoever you call for that appointment. And, and they have a walk-in. Right. Uh, well, also, your own doctor will fit you in if you're coughing up blood. Well, they'll try. <laughs> they'll try. Right. Sometimes it's hard it's when they're gone. Yeah, it's, if they're gone, also, they can't. It's also hard when they're packed. Yes. Yeah. Well, but, I understand. But yeah. definitely. I'm looking at the patient's side, and you're looking at the doctor's side, but sometimes you just have to be a little bit more you, forceful you, and say, There will be someone I who need can see. see you. Maybe not my doctor, but I need to see someone. Bob. Bob is letting us know we have two minutes. Two minutes. What do you want to tell us about tomorrow night, Rick? Well, it's all about nutrition, which is really great, because these are the nutrition experts. It's it's all about exercise, the value of exercise in in many, many things, particularly for geriatrics and preventing falls. And thirdly, the safety issues, particularly with kids. But the bottom line here is it's research that's actively going on that's cutting-edge national research that's going on at SDSU and uh, in South Dakota. Here we are doing real research in, on this campus, in this state. You know, this And it's first-class people doing it. When you, when you have those two women, you have just the top. You, you and they're fun to listen to, too. You'll well, get a kick and, out of it. And they're more the fun. Than, <laughs> and they're dear friends. So yeah, They're just good people. You know, it'll, it'll be yeah. fun to, to, to watch this. So I, I, I would highly recommend watching it. And it's your show first tomorrow. live show of this season, yeah. right? <clears throat> I've been, I had a sickness for a while. Did missed you know? the Missed the uh, uh, Be Kind show i just broke my heart that i couldn't be there but i had a shaking chills and a temp of 103.7 at the point at that point and An- another thing that needs attention yeah <laughs> taking care of dr home we're all working oh, at it that okay. guy. well dr home thanks so much for being here and thanks to all of you for listening to the prairie doc radio program we hope you'll listen again because this program is brought to you by the avera medical group brookings and also follow the prairie doc on facebook and youtube for free and easy access to the entire prairie doc library visit us at www.prairiedoc.org my thanks to Dr. Deb Johnston for being with us. Thank you, Deb. Thank you for and having me. Thanks, Christina. I appreciate you being here as well. And thank you, Rick. For me, that's all till next week. Thank you, Joan and Bob. And for your leadership in learning, Christina. Thank you. And, that's right. You're and your teaching, Deb. So <laughs> be healthy out there.